Welcome. This is Pastor Mark and uh, Reverend Dr. Vince McLaughlin here in the uh, Riverton studio. We are beginning a series of teaching, and um, we would love for you to join us. We're just we're asking God to to speak to us and speak to you in a new way. And we're just going to explore some some exciting things that God has been doing in our community and through His church. But more importantly, what God, I think what what we think God wants to do with us and through us. Jesus said at one point um, that my father is always working. Amen. He's always up to something, as you Amen. say. Amen. And we're trying to figure out what he's up to. As Dr. Blackaby said, find out what God is doing and, and jump in. So um, we're, we're going to attempt to do that together, and we welcome your comments below and, uh, and calls. Um, so we're going to start off today's teaching with the idea of new wine. New wine. Let me, I'll read the passage and maybe you can Great. jump right in. Super. This is in, um, this is in Luke. Um, and they were, Jesus was questioned about his disciples weren't actually doing what the, um, the Pharisees were doing. They fasted regularly. His disciples weren't fasting. So they, they weren't following every rule that they were used to. So they questioned about that. And Jesus went into a teaching about putting old cloth new cloth into an old cloth and suggested because you have done that before it shrinks in the shrinking process it'll tear it'll tear the old one and the new one and neither one will be good but then he says this um, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined but new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 36. So, uh, what do you think about, he means about new wine and old wine? Well, I think as we look at the passage of Scripture and initially understanding it from, um, as the disciples would have, Yes. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes would have understood it from the context of the Tanakh or the Torah or, or the Old Testament. And, and wine um, has always had this symbolism or this, um, the, this significance of something that God was doing. You know, that... Um, uh, wine had figured predominantly in the economy, of course, yes. of, of Israel. Uh, it, was, it was something known because they were an agricultural uh, uh, country. But this reference to uh, this analogy or this parable, this parabolic teaching of Jesus Christ, I think here, was not demeaning the, the Tanakh or the Torah or Judaism. Right. He was not knocking the system of, of the old skins, the structure, the functional structure, because it served its purposes. And he set it up. And Yeah, I, amen. He set it up. Yeah. But now he's saying, and that's the other thing, I did. The, the Lord has just laid upon me because this whole area of new wine and new wineskins and then what you and I had chatted about uh, 
in Pentecost, yes. in Acts chapter 1, what, what's the first thing the mockers said about the disciples? Oh, oh they're just filled with new wine. New wine. And even Luke uses a different word there for, for wine, which is a, a sweet wine that's in the process of fermentation energy. All right? But Jesus Christ is saying that if we hold to the new wine as referring to the work of the Holy Spirit and this new and different ministry of the Spirit. Yes, good word. That the present structure of Judaism could not contain that power, fermenting power, sweetness power of the Holy Spirit in that structure. And so he says, in order for this new wine of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's going to require new vessels. Right. New, yeah. Something new to carry it because it's going in a new place. Exactly. And it's going to do a new work. Right. As we, as we were just talking about that, something struck me about wine in the economy of the wine. It was part of their financial economy. Very much so. Livelihood. It was part of their religious services. It was part of what they did when they gathered together as, a, as believers. But it was also part of family life. They had it at the table every time they gathered at home. When there was a party, they had wine. So wine really, the idea, the, in the physical world, wine was a part of life. It was All, a everywhere they went. It was a stable. It was a staple of every aspect. Financial, family, economy, religious. Um, and, I, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of that too. In, in the kingdom life with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't put him in a box and say we only deal with the Holy Spirit when we come to church. He's, he's at our table. He's in our finances. He's in our communities, in our celebrations. Um, that was just a side note. But... If we're going to get a new wine, we've got to re realize the importance of that. Right. Where the Spirit belongs in our lives these days. Yeah. And I think, you know, with regards to it, if, even if you look at the Holy Eucharist or Holy Communion, uh, when, when Jesus Christ took the wine, all right, which was very, very Passover-oriented. I mean... Old. Old. Yes. Original, right, yes. Exactly. And so Jesus Christ said, this, is, this wine is my blood of the new covenant. There is something about this analogy that Christ is using with regards to wine and this, this new wine. And I'm kind of, as I'm studying this, as you and I have been, you know, pondering and talking about this over the last few weeks about what is God up to? What is he up to? Yes. But looking at that, I'm becoming more and more inclined to not so much look at the new wine within a, the vessel of the church as much as I'm beginning to look at the impact of the new wine on individual vessels. Uh, are we prepared for what God wants to do yes. in us right. post-COVID-19? Yes. That, I think that's the, the, the direction we're going to take in these next few things is um, 
what, what, uh, what can we expect God to do, and what's he expect us to do? And if, if, if we are willing to be that vessel, Amen. what must we do to prepare this? You know, it's, it's interesting that the old vessels that they were talking about, the wine skins, um, if you've seen an old one, um, they're not these neat little pouches that you wear over your thing. They actually look like the animal without the head. I, they, they looked like uh, the body, right? Of the, they would tie the, the legs. They would skin the whole animal, sew it together, and it would still have legs and a neck and a tail sometimes I, and just have a spout on it. Um, I think our old bodies need to be modified. Amen. I'm not suggesting headless. It might, <laughs> might be radical, but I think it starts up here, doesn't it? I, it does. Transformed by the renewing of our mind. And uh, so if we're, gonna, if we're going to... Uh, be filled with the new stuff, I think our vessel, uh, we need to start by the way we look at, at, at God and what he wants to do with our transforming our mind in that. And then the other part we'll get to is um, if, if we trust him and we prepare ourselves as the vessels to receive this new wine, uh, what's that going to look like on the other side? Because right. we're not going to go back to to the old ways, that was part of the rules. Jesus didn't say the rules were bad, but what's more important is the spirit than the rules. So yes, uh, fasting is important, but fasting isn't an end in itself. An end in itself. Right. It's what the work is of the spirit is. So they will fast when it's appropriate to accomplish God's will, but they're not a fast fasting now because the bridegroom is with them. Right. So. You know what's interesting as you look at this week, this past Thursday, for those liturgical types, we celebrated the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great significance there. In that ascension, he told his disciples to go back to Jerusalem and await the promise of the Father, That's right. which is the Holy Spirit. He referenced that John baptized with water, but he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and for them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the promise, of which they did not totally and completely understand, of course, but they were obedient. Right. One of the things I wanted to, to note here, in similarity to our situation today, is that they went back and they were together, all with one purposeful intent, and that was to wait and study and pray in anticipatory expectation and excitement, excitement. of what God was going to do. It's a good point that they, they came back together. They came back together. They didn't receive it while they were wandering no. and waiting. They, they came back together. They weren't mavericks. They were, they were together in the room. And we're not able to do that right now. No, we are not. Um, but we're called to do that. Aye, we are. We're, we're in, with anticipation, we're expecting to be that, to come back and do that. They, they uh, devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching to the word and to prayer. Uh, we can do that right now. Aye, we can. We can devote ourselves as, as maybe as a preparation to get the vessels ready. Yeah. Is, is to, we do have that. Ability. And we can still be of one heart and one mind. Yes, we can. And, and praising God. But as you and I, 
this current situation has not caught the almighty sovereign God by surprise. This is going to be used by him in a mighty way. Not to save the church. But to wake up the church. Yes. That's a good word. To, to wake us up. Right. To move. And as, as we read in the scriptures, you alluded to that the people don't readily want the new. Um, because the old is, well, I'm used to the old. Yeah, and it's comfortable. It's comfortable. And it's, and it's good. The, the text there, the word that is used there, word, and it's only unique to, to Luke in, in the parable of the wine, uh, new wine and new wineskins. Uh, and it's kind of a proverbial statement that Yeshua uses, which has got a lot of Hebrew idiom within it. But, you know, they, they don't desire the new because the old is good. Not so much better. But it's good. It's it's comfortable. It, it's it's it doesn't take me out of my comfort zone. And I think what God is saying here with regards to this, whatever He's up to, right, it is going to take us out of our comfort levels for individual vessels to prepare us. And we can chat about this. What does this new wine look like in evidence? In evidence. And, and how is it that the, the, those who watched at Pentecost initially, the mockers, some said, what must we do? They were pierced to the heart. And, right. and, and, and Peter said, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess your sin and be baptized. All right. But the mockers looked at it and they said, well, these guys are just filled with with new wine, you know, uh, and the Greek there, it's, it's a glucose. It's a new sweet wine that's in that fermentation process. So it was recognizable. I'm going to ask right now, if when we come back together by the power of his Holy Spirit, and whatever this new wine looks like, one of the things I would say initially, other than it's going to be sweet and there's going to be an energy of fermentation to it. The world is going to be able to recognize it. They may mock us, but they, they will not be blind to the fact that something is influencing the speech and the behavior and the content of our language. Yes. Now, they'll attribute it to something, but when in actuality... It's exactly what Jesus Christ had promised, and that is the new wine of the Holy Spirit poured out in a new and dynamic way. Absolutely. I, and I think that is vital in, in why, so if we could put it in, in our vernacular, when we, in this new reality, if we can embrace it and God does actually, and we're, and we're worthy Amen. Of, of what he wants to do, when we leave, when we break company, our behavior is going to be different. Amen. In such a way that it's it's dramatically different, and they respond to it. One, as you said, the mockers. The text says that at least we're led to believe that those people that were gathered were devout Jews. Very much. These, so. these weren't secular, non-believing, no. godless men and women. These were 
These were God-fearing. They were Orthodox. Orthodox Jewish people from everywhere that came. So when God was praised, they understood that and they recognized and appreciated it. In their, own, in their in, own tongues. In, the, in a way that they would understand I, when they said that. And so the activity, and there's where it gets uncomfortable. The activity <laughs> of, this, of these new wine vessels was to, first of all, go out. You, you, it all didn't happen within those walls where they received no. this. It, it happened outside. They had to go out, out among the others and among, the, and among believers. Uh, you know, just we, have, we get filled with God and some of us sit here and we want to praise, we want to dance, we want to scream, we want to evangelize. But the other folks in the church are going to think we're drunk. So we keep, it, we keep our mouths shut. They went out, they spoke, and what they talked, they didn't go out and talk about the weather or their kids or their grandkids. They didn't go out and talk about anything except they declared the mighty works of God. They declared the mighty works of God and, uh, and praised him. Um, we lack that. When we leave these, these walls, the church lacks the demonstrative praise and evangelical demonstration of, of that spirit. And, um, and everything led up to the sermon by St. Peter of exalting and lifting up Jesus Christ. Whom you, you crucified. crucified. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the message, the message of the gospel, because of the power associated with that new wine of the Holy Spirit, you know, like what Paul said, I didn't come to you with great words and right. incredible human wisdom, but I came with a message that was just consume, oozing the power of the Spirit, which is the wisdom of God. And immediately that impacted the hearts of the people to whereby they were, con they were convicted. They were pierced to their soul to what they had. This, what, what must we do based upon what has been revealed to us? Right. And then, and then Peter, of course, gave that glorious altar call. You know, the, my favorite part of, of Peter's sermon, I've told her this before, but is the little phrase that says, and with many other words he exhorted them. Amen. So I, that, that to me just says, preach as long as you want, brother. <laughs> <laughs> There's, we turned off the clock. That, so that may not fly in some churches. In many, with many other words, he, you he preached have, all day. You may have people falling asleep and falling through the windows. <laughs> well, listen, folks, um, we're going to come back for section two uh, here in a, in a day or so. So thanks for tuning in. When we get back to this, um, we're fortunate to have the Reverend Dr. Vince McLaughlin, who who knows his way around a bottle of wine. Can I say that? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I do. And single malt. Single that's malt only two. Good. We're going to uh, talk about, um, get a little more personal about you and I and where we belong in this call and what, uh, what is God asking of us right now? Um, he, his, his work isn't totally revealed yet to us, but we're, we're getting, as you said, anticipatory excitement. We're, we're excitingly anticipating what he's doing that we can't see. And we want to be the ones with our lamps lit. We want to be the ones with vessels prepared when he pours this new work, new wine Amen. into our lives. Amen.
So thanks for tuning in, and we'll, um, we'll be back in our next session. God bless. Cheers and his graces. What happened? Oh, no. That was good, too, I thought. Um. <laughs> what happened? It, it kicked off because I said the storage was full.